All right. If you are online, you know, comment, let us know you're there so we don't feel so lonely. And if you're catching up later and this thing's already recorded, still, go ahead, check in online. I know you're sitting there going, that's weird, he's talking to people who aren't here. And uh, that's because that's the way uh, I am. I do that all the time. I talk to people who aren't there. So, <laughs> good morning. Okay, second sermon in the series, Good Times. It's going to be dynamite. You have to be a certain age to even know what I'm talking about there, and so that's, that's good. Michael is not that age, young whippersnapper. But anyway, do you guys ever have uh, periods in your life where things don't work out as you had planned or expected? That ever happened to you? You're just like, you meant one thing and, and things just didn't go that way. You know, you get, like this morning you got up going, man, it's going to be a beautiful summer morning. And stepped outside and said, man, I, I'm totally disappointed. I am let down. <laughs> so I had eight below when I got up this morning. I'm like, man, that's cold, you know. And uh, you, that expression about your face hurting, yeah, that was the, the way it goes. I, um, I've always wanted to win the Publishers Clearinghouse. Never won, but I don't play. But I think it would be about equal. I mean, if you won without playing, playing and winning, I think chances are about the same of winning. That's just my opinion on it, you know. Just a lot of a lot of things that just don't come together. We had family week several a uh, couple years ago. We wanted, we were supposed to have it last year. Family Maynard family week. We have eight kids, so you can imagine what that is. It's chaos. So we had planned. It's fun. I'm sorry. It's fun. Chaos. Anyway, so we are we're in family week, and what we had planned was that the kids would come later in the week, and my wife and I would have a couple of days in the place where we're going to stay to get ready for family week. But the kids were all stoked about family week, and they almost beat us there, you know? So by, by, the, thir- by the Thursday, it was supposed to go through Saturday, by the Thursday, and I, I emotionally and reflectively recall it as crying Thursday, because all the grandkids were crying all day long. And I was ready to go home. <laughs> Things were not working out the way we planned. Disappointments come in life. And so what I want to look at today is I want to look at a moment in time that was a disappointment for Peter. But it was also a moment which Jesus was obviously having a good time. And so we're going to look into a passage in the, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. And let's read this story together, okay? Or I'll read it to you. If we all read together... I'll feel like I'm alone because the masks muffle you so much. Any husbands making your wives wear masks? Never mind, I'm sorry, I shouldn't. That was uh, only one person got that. Luke 5, 1. One day, (laughs) one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats on the water's ledge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, who was Peter, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. So Jesus just needed, let's pause for a second, Jesus just needed a little space to teach from, and Simon was good with that. Simon let him use his boat because he's already working on cleaning up from his job the night before. All right? Verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now... Go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Now, hang on. What's going on here? This isn't Jesus' boat. This is Simon's boat. This is Simon's business. This is Simon's job. And one thing Jesus asked for is a space to teach from, 
But now Jesus is taking the role of Simon's boss. All right? He's stepping into a place that, you know, if anyone else did that to you, you would be offended. Like, what, who are you to tell me how to do my job? All right? Verse 5. Master, Simon replied, uh, by the way, I love this verse because it's got this passive-aggressive teenage tone to it. All right? Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so. Any parents ever heard that? If you say so. I'll let the nets down again. And for those of you who don't know, in the original Greek, that is known as whining. Okay? I'll say so. I'll let the nets down. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. What happened here? Well, Simple answer, fish know their creator far better than people know their creator, okay? So, verse 8, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, now I need you to see how odd it is what's taking place now. You have this whiny attitude, if you say so, Jesus, and then you have two boatloads of fish instead of one, And then look at Peter's reaction to what has happened, because it doesn't really make sense. Peter said, realize what had happened. He fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. What a reaction to two boatloads of fish. Okay, next verse. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, um, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon. What What did Peter just tell Jesus to do? Leave. Leave me. Okay? Here's what Jesus does in response to Peter trying to tell Jesus to leave. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. This moment changed four fishermen's lives. Okay? They all, at the end of the day, the beginning of the day, you have Jesus preaching from a boat. At the end of this scene, you have two boats, two sets of nets, and a whole bunch of fishing equipment laying, rotting in the sun with a bunch of fish, we would presume as well. And four guys leaving to follow Jesus Christ. This is an amazing story. What I want to do with this story is um, I want to to learn some lessons from it. I mean, we always want to learn some lessons from Scripture. But I, I want to take those moments in our life that are disappointments. I want to take Peter's fishless night, his failure of no fish for the evening, and look at how that disappointment turned into a lesson in discipleship And it totally changed his life. A failure became a stepping stone up into God's kingdom and into relationship with Jesus. So three lessons I want to learn from this. Lesson number one, we have to learn to accept the authority of Jesus. We have to learn to accept the authority of Jesus. Everybody loves Jesus, right? Everybody loves Jesus. They don't like church. They don't like religion. They don't like the Bible. But for some reason, they love Jesus. I don't get it either, but that's the, the world. We, they love Jesus. But here's why they love Jesus. 
They love a Jesus they can keep over here in his little box. This is Jesus' realm. Jesus the rabbi. Let's, let's climb into Peter's mind. Jesus, you're the rabbi. You're the preacher guy. I'm the fisherman. Okay? You stay over there in the rabbi box, and I'll take care of the fishing box, even though I can't catch fish. I still got this. Okay? And so this is the... This is where Jesus is, and a lot of folks like to keep Jesus over there. As long as Jesus stays at church, as long as you can keep him on the other side of that live stream out there, as long as you can keep Jesus in your theological box, as long as he doesn't surprise you, he's okay. But here's the problem with Jesus. Most people, their idea of Jesus is not found anywhere in the Bible. For most people, what they think Jesus is, if they actually read the four perspectives of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if they actually read those, they would find out that Jesus was often doing things that didn't fit in anybody's box. And if you think about it, who was Jesus to go to Peter and say, hey, okay, now let's go fishing. Let's take your boat out. Let's dirty those nets up. You just spent the last few hours cleaning up and mending. And let's go back out and let's do it again. Who was Jesus? I mean, Jesus obviously did not respect personal boundaries, okay? And so we need to accept the authority of Jesus in our lives. He is Lord. This is the beginning of this journey. And it's hard. It's hard to accept the authority of Jesus because Jesus walks into your life and acts like he knows everything because he does, And that's hard to take. And he tells us what to do. And he expects us to do what he says. So, think about accepting this. And the journey, I mean, the authority of Jesus Christ. And from this, I want to remind us of something that I think is really important. And hear me out, okay? I'm going to say something that's got a hook in it. It stings a little bit, but bear with me. Be patient. I'll be gentle, I promise. You can walk with God. You can walk with Jesus. But, and I'll clarify this later, but right now I just want to shock you a little bit. He can't walk with you. I know it disagrees with the old hymn, what I just said, but still. He can't walk with you. And what do I mean by that? Well, here's what I mean. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 14. The camp must be holy, for the Lord your God moves around in your camp to protect you and to defeat your enemies. He must not see anything any shameful thing among you, or he will turn away from you. You see, holiness is a term that we don't, that a lot of churches don't talk about. We do. We try to talk about it a lot. But the idea of holiness in our world is a, is a, is a concept that we really struggle with. Well, here's the point I'm trying to make is this. God is different than you. God is other than you. I think the only thing that explains Peter's reaction to Jesus and the fish is the otherness or the holiness of Jesus, which I may come back to in just a minute. But my point really isn't that. My point is this. God is holy. He can't walk sinful pathways. You can walk sinful pathways. You can choose to sin and walk in unrighteousness. God cannot do that. You know, a lot of people have this idea about Jesus that he saves you and that's it. 
that you can just keep doing what you were doing. You can keep living in whatever sin you're in, whatever your favorite sin may be. And we all have a favorite, I'm sure. And we just think, well, Jesus loves me. And so he saved me, but I don't have to change anything. And let me just say, and I, you know, that's just kind of stupid. If I were drowning and Kevin swam out, I don't know. Can you swim, Kevin? Not very well. That's perfect. That's perfect. Because none of us can swim very well in spiritual. Anyway, I'm sorry. I just wanted to get weird there. So I'm out there and I'm drowning. Maybe I'm caught in the riptide. And, and Kevin, you know, he's like brave. He's that brave. He would come and save me just even though he can't swim that great. He swims out to me and he, he gets behind me and he, he lifts me up so I can breathe. And that's great. But then instead of helping me get out of the riptide and back to shore, he says, well, you know, Michael, I, you obviously want to be out here. You were having a good time. You know, I've helped you out, but you know, I'm just going to leave you right here. I'm going to try and swim back on my own. You see, that's not saving somebody. God can come into your path and save you and pull you out of it. But God cannot and will not and cannot, because he's holy, walk those sinful paths with you. So you can walk with God. But he can't walk with you in unrighteousness. Does that make sense? That's one of the reasons we need to accept the authority of Jesus Christ. That Jesus knows what is right. That Jesus knows the path that we should be walking. And we need to remind ourselves that God, is, that God saves, but he doesn't tolerate. He forgives, but he doesn't dismiss. He restores, but he's not permissive. He hates sin, but he loves you. How I think Timothy Keller says it is that when I came close to God, I found that I was the worst sinner I could have possibly imagined, but also that I am loved more wildly than I could have ever hoped. And this is the beginning of a faith journey that gets deeper and more real and stronger all the time. So we need to begin by accepting the authority of Jesus over our life. He knows how to fish. He knows how to parent. He knows how to take care of finances. He knows everything, and he knows it all better than I do and better than you do. And so when we begin to walk in a faith that says, all right, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And no one else is Lord. Jesus is Lord. We begin to accept his authority. Okay? The second thing we need to do from that is we need to admit our failure. I... Uh, I, there's so many reasons I love the story, but one is that you've got this guy who's a professional fisherman who can't catch fish. Peter struggled. We have two stories in the Bible where Peter can't catch fish. And uh, anyway, I, I just, I personally think it's hilarious, but I know you're behind the mask and you're chuckling, but I can't see it. So it's making me insecure. But anyway, so I think... <laughs> Peter comes, and, and he has a, a night where he can't catch fish. And I want to wrap my head around that because there are so many things in life that I should be good at that I'm not. Like, for example, I am a father to eight amazing sons who turned out way better than I could have hoped uh, so far, you know, and I, I'm going to hold with that. But I'm not really I'm not really good at, at being a father. There are a lot of days that my fathering net comes up empty. Uh, some of us are that way in our jobs, in our finances, in our relationships, in our uh, marriage, and, and all those friendships and those different places in our life. 
We should be good at things, but we, we keep coming up short. And what is the deal with that? Well, I'll tell you what the deal is. Jesus had bigger plans for Peter than Peter having a comfortable life. Then Peter getting up every day and going fishing and catching fish and selling the fish and providing a living for himself and his family. Jesus had bigger plans for Peter. See, what we do is we hit these, these boundaries in our life, these rough spots, and we back off. We, we like, well, I'm, I'm, well I'm, I'm only this good a husband, and once I get out here, I'm overextended, and so I'm just going gonna to back off to the husband I can be. I'm only this good with finances, and, and, and out here I get overextended, so I'm just going to back off to be, you know, this is really all I've got in me, okay? Can you imagine that Peter's thought process through all of this, especially with Jesus? He, he's been fishing all night. They're mending their nets, and they're putting everything away, which is a big, as big a part of the job as fishing all night. And, and Jesus comes to him and says, I want you to go back out again. And I can just hear what Peter's thinking in my mind. Well, this is what Michael would be thinking. Uh, everything in one, uh, you're a good preacher, but I don't know if you know anything about fish. You may be a carpenter, but my boat doesn't need fixed. I need to catch fish. And here's where the real Michael would kick in, because he's a real pessimist at heart. Jesus, some nights you just don't catch fish. And that's just the way it is. Jesus, you need to be more realistic. You ever told Jesus he needs to be more realistic? Jesus, you need to be... What if Jesus is bumping you up against your limits so he can blow you past them? What if Jesus is bumping you up against your limits so he can blow you past them? What am I talking about? Why did Peter hit his knees and say he was a sinful man and leave me? Because Jesus steps on his boat, a, a man who never professionally fished or commercially fished as Peter had, and he did more with one boat, one net, and, and Peter and his brother than Peter had ever been able to do. Jesus took the same thing Peter used every time he went fishing, and Jesus excelled with it. He blew away his expectations. And here's Peter standing there going, look what Jesus can do with my stuff. I can't do this with my stuff, but Jesus can do this with my stuff. And what was Jesus showing Peter? <laughs> he was showing Peter, Peter, this isn't about you making a living, son. This isn't about you getting by or being successful or making money. This is about you and what I've called you to do. And what I've called you to do, as he's about to say, is to be a fisher of people. To catch people. Why couldn't Peter catch fish? Because he wasn't a fisherman anymore. He was a people fisherman now. From the second Jesus decided that that's what he's going to be. Why? Because Jesus is the one that's in authority. Now, we need that same mentality that accepts the authority of Jesus Christ. There's a passage in 2, uh, I'm sorry, that admits, like Peter did, that admits his failure. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says this, For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. You see, Peter bumped up against his failure. And I don't know if you know this or not, but failure is not the cause of failing. Quitting is the cause of failing, not failure. 
Failure teaches us. And if failure can teach you that Jesus is the answer, then you've had the best lesson of your life. Okay? So Peter hits this failure. I can't fish. Jesus, who apparently doesn't know much about fishing, can take my boat, my nets, and my friends and catch way more fish than me. And Peter's response to that is to admit that he's a sinner. Is to admit that Jesus is Lord and accept the lordship and the authority of Jesus and to admit that he's not Lord. That's, that's his role. And I'm going to tell you what, I think that's the Christian life. I think the power, the, the, if there's a secret to being fulfilled and being happy and having a joy-filled Christian life, I believe that secret is grief and repentance. I think the pathway to joy starts with the knees of sadness. And so when we admit our failures and realize that Jesus is our success, then, then we open ourselves up for Jesus to take what we have and blow past our efforts, but past our failure. But we have to remember that what Jesus wants to do with us is not only about us. What Jesus wants to do with us is not only about us. Jesus wants to do things in your life that impact and help others outside of your life. He wants to do so much more than feed you and make you happy and comfortable. He wants to change the world through you. The, the God of the universe lives in you through the Holy Spirit. That's a powerful reality, okay? So, if we, if we can admit that failure, walk through that sadness and that sorrow, and if I had time, I'd develop that a little bit more. But accept the authority of Jesus. Admit your failure. And, and what I mean is own it. We spend so much of our time running from what we can't do and, and what we're bad at. In fact, we spend a lot of our time hiding. The, the judgmentalness that's in, mo- that's in us, probably all of us, but may, I'll say at least most of us, usually when we're judgmental of other people, it's because we're trying to magnify their faults so we can ignore our own. We're trying to hide from our own failures. Where if we would get those failures out and look at them and admit they're there, Jesus would forgive them and we could be free of them. So, accept Jesus' authority in your life. Admit your failures and let Jesus take them away. And the next time, by the way, that you have a disappointing moment, you hop in the car. This happened to me a couple weeks ago. I was getting ready to go somewhere and I walked out my garage and I had a flat on the car. That's a day ruiner sometimes, you know? Luckily, I have an air thing and a straw and I just blew it up. (laughs) I'm just seeing if you're awake, just seeing if you're awake. And some of you are sitting there going, if anyone could do it, he could. He has that that much hot air. And you're right, but the last time I did it, the car floated because I'm full of hot air. Sorry. (laughs) Anyway, what if the next time you bump up against a disappointment, rather than freaking out, worrying, crying, screaming, what if you just stopped for a minute and said, you know what, it looks like that Jesus, my authority, has a different plan for today. What if we calmed down and accepted the authority of Jesus, admitted our failures, like, hey man, this is what, because guys, I am a, I plan my day. I I know what I'm doing. I mean, shortly after I wake up, I know what I'm doing, what I'm going to do all day long. And if you mess with my plan, I don't like you that day, okay? 
Jesus messes with my plan all the time. And this is one of the hardest lessons for me to learn is to lay down my schedule, lay down my task list, and, and, and realize that Jesus is going to take that disappointment and what he's probably going to do is what he loves to do, and that is go and be with people. Because where we're really moving to is learning to enjoy the good times with Jesus. And let me tell you something about Jesus Jesus loves people. The Bible says, Luke 5.10, his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Have you ever thought about how much fun Jesus had with people? When you read the stories of the Gospels, we see Jesus talking to people, hanging out with people. We see him asking them lots of questions. And some of them are weird. He'll walk up, he'll be a blind guy who's hollering his name, Jesus, Jesus. And Jesus walks up to him, it's obvious he's blind. Everybody in the crowd knows he's blind. And what does Jesus do? What do you want? What do you want? I'm telling you what, I read that stuff, I'm like, Jesus, what are you doing? It's obvious. Why, why doesn't Jesus go up, pull up any hand? Wapola, you can see. But he doesn't. He says, what do you want? Why? Because Jesus wanted to hear from people where their hearts were, what they really wanted from him. You know? And so Jesus, he was so good at listening and loving people, and he just loved to connect with people and talk to people and listen to people. Ah. So he says to the disciples, I'm going to make you fishers of people. What does that mean? Well, I, I grew up independent Baptist, then I was ordained Southern Baptist, and I'm going to tell you something that Baptists are really strong in, evangelism. I could also tell you what we're really not strong in, and that's discipleship, but that's another thing, evangelism. So I've had all kinds of evangelism training over the years. I can't, I can't remember when it happened to me. I was probably planting a church in Colorado. That's when most of my epiphanies occurred. And uh, I realized one day that the way I share the gospel is found nowhere in the Bible. That was a humbling moment. Now, before you go too far with what I just said, I think there's value in those things. I'm not trying to dismiss any of those tools by which we can share our faith. I think they're very helpful. I think they're dated for the world we live in, but I think they're very helpful just the same. But when Jesus went fishing... He didn't go out and share the four spiritual laws, the good news, the bad news, share Jesus without fear, the Romans road. He didn't do any of that stuff. You know, well, he didn't have the Romans road. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll give you that one. He didn't. He was about to write it through the hand of Paul, but that was a different issue. All those things. But what did Jesus do? When Jesus went out with people, he stepped into a space in their life and opened the door for an encounter with God. And so I want to suggest to you, as weird as this is going to sound, and I think this would really help us if we could adjust our thinking in this, is, is that fishing for people is to make a space and a place for God to show up. It's that simple. And it might turn into a sharing of the gospel or those kind of things, but I think Christians, especially us older folks, we need to realize that people are a lot farther from God than they were during the evangelism explosions of the 70s and 80s. 
And they have a whole lot more to work through. And so rather than going out and trying to convince them to follow Jesus, which isn't working. If it were working, the church in America would be growing instead of shrinking. And what, it, what we need to do is go out and, and open a space for God to show up. What does that look like? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you a story. Because I was writing this sermon, and I'm like, God, how am I going to uh, help people see this? And it's so funny because, you know, I don't know if you know this, but God answers prayer. I mean, he answers you. He loves you, and he loves to talk to you. And, 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 I, don't, and I don't know who's out there that said, uh, said, oh, it's just your imagination. You shouldn't trust that. They didn't know how God worked, you know. So I was... Um, I was, I was praying, you know, about this, and I had a, a benevolence call one afternoon while I'm working on the sermon, and I had to go deal with something and help somebody with a, a payment on a thing. So I, I had to get on the phone with this financial company, and I call them up, and uh, a, a young woman, sounded like a young woman answered the phone, her name was Shinoya, and I thought, oh, that's a cool name. And then I said to her, she answered the phone, I'm, I've got some business to take care of, and uh, because I'm a little bit ornery and a whole lot passive aggressive, I said to her, I said, you know, I'm just so thankful you're not from India. And she said, why not? And I said, well, I just don't have cultured ears and I can't understand what they're saying. And so it's nice to have someone I can understand. And she laughed and we started going through our, the business that I needed. While we're on doing the business, she says to me, I don't know what's going on, sir, but as soon as I picked up the phone with you, my eyes started watering. And I said to her, I said, you know what it probably means is before we get done today, I need to pray for you. And she said, well, that would be okay with me. And she went on with her business. And while she was trying to do the research for the issue I was taking care of, I started praying for her. I would love to tell you that this is what I always do. No, most of the time I am just working on the next thing and totally preoccupied. I do not always think of this. But I started praying for her. And while I'm praying for her, I get a picture in my mind of a woman arguing with her daughter. Just a a quick flash. And, And of course, I am insecure about a lot of things. And so I ask God, God... Is that just me or is that you? And you know what he did? He's a little ornery. He said nothing. <laughs> and what I got from that was, boy, here's the, river, here's the water. You can either step on it or stay in the boat. It's up to you. And so she gets back on the phone. We conclude our business. And before Shanoia hangs up, I say to her, um, I know this is going to be weird. If I ever preface you with that, something weird's about to happen. I'm just going to say, if I walk up and just say, I know this is going to be weird. Something's about to get weird. I said, I know it's going to be weird, but I need to ask you a question. Is that okay? And she said, well, okay. I said, is there a woman, maybe a mother or a daughter in your life that you're struggling with? The phone went dead silent. Dead silent. I thought she'd hung up on me. <laughs> I waited, and I said, Shanoi, are you there? And, and then when I said her name, she, I heard her catch her breath. <gasps> a deep draw. And she had sounded like she was crying. She said, I'm sorry, sir. You caught me off guard. I said to her, Shanoi, I don't know what's going on. I'd be happy to talk to you about it. She said, I can't. I'm at work right now. I said, can I pray with you before I get off this phone? And she said, that would be great. So she couldn't tell me anything. So all I had was God, and so I started praying for her. He led me into a prayer of courage for her and healing for relationships in her life and a few other things. And then I told her, I said, you've got my number. I just called from it, just, you know, if we can ever connect. And I haven't heard from her, but the point is this. God made a space for an encounter. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, well, so what? I'll tell you what. Shanoia found out that day firsthand that there's a God in heaven who loves her. 
That's what, that, that's what happened in that moment. Because God told me something that, that I couldn't know, showed me something that I, I couldn't know. And in that moment, she found out that there is an eternal creator who cares about her. There was a space and God showed up. That's fishing. That's fishing. Worship team, if I could get you guys to come forward. What I want you to do with this idea of fishing and, and so forth, I, I realize what I talked about may be a little bit outside your box, and I totally get that. And I know some of you are sitting there going, well, yeah, he's the preacher guy. He does stuff like that. I'm actually just a normal guy who does stuff like that. And I got a lot of normal friends who do stuff like that. I realize that, that seeing a flash of an image in your mind might be a step outside your box. But you know what? There are a lot of things that you could do to introduce God into a space. You could, you could give someone a phone call. We have a lot of senior adults in our church that are lonely. And they could use a call. You could get out your phone and you could send a text to somebody or message them through Facebook Messenger. And, and, and you, you're like, I don't know what to say. How about this? I'm praying for you right now. Wouldn't that change your day if you got a text like that? It, it didn't even have to say anything other than I'm praying for you right now. Wouldn't that mean the world to you? You're saying, Michael, what would this stuff do? I'll tell you what it does. It brings an encounter with God into a space in time. And I'm telling you, and from experience firsthand, I send out prayers sometimes. I send them to people who don't even believe in God. And when I do without fail, almost without fail, they appreciate the touch. They appreciate that someone's thinking about them. They appreciate the prayers. So let's stand together right now and let's respond to this message through communion. I got to find a cup here. Here's my instructions. This is a two-piece operation. You pull off the thin foil to get to the, I'm going to call it bread because we're in church, but it's something else. We don't know what. And then you pull off the second piece to get to the, the juice. Now, you don't have to take this just yet. I just want, what I want you to do with this as you take it today is I want you to remember that you've been called to fish. I want you to remember that Jesus loves fishing. He enjoys it. And when you take communion today, I want you to take that bread, which is his body that was broken for you, and that juice that is his, body, his blood poured out for you. And as you take that, I want you to remember that Jesus is my authority. That my failures are not a problem in the hands of Jesus. And that I want to enjoy the things that Jesus enjoys. As we worship together, you can take the bread and the wine anytime during the song you want to. Pastor Steve.